Blog Talk Radio. Did you know that everyone is born with psychic abilities? It's just a matter of knowing how to tap into it. Wouldn't it be great to have a podcast that can help? This is the Psychic Inside Show. Joel the Vibrarian on a higher frequency is on a mission to elevate, enlighten, and empower. We're all born with gifts and abilities, but not all of us recognize or accept them. Hear from people who've opened up to the psychic inside. You'll hear their fascinating stories, and we'll take a peek behind the veil, plus psychic readings and more. Our phone line is open. Dial 646-787-8436. That's 646-787-8436. This is the Psychic Inside Show. And now your host, Joel the Vibrarian. Hello and welcome. I'm so excited to be with you. My name is Joel and I am the Vibrarian and this is the Psychic Inside Show. I believe that everyone is psychic. You just may not realize it. And each time I have an opportunity to sit down with a person to talk about their journey, it is with the hopes that you will hear something that triggers an awareness in you for you to realize that you too have your own unique set of ways of expressing things that maybe some people think unusual, but are actually quite normal. Now, the Psychic and Sideshow is available on all of the podcast uh, directories. You can find it on Audible, iTunes, Google Play Music, wherever you can find. You can look for the Psychic and Sideshow. I've had over 50 interviews with amazing people from all over the United States and a couple abroad as well, and they're fascinating stories. I promise you, you will want to continue to listen. You can also find out the schedule about who is coming up on the show on the Vibrary Radio Network, which is on Blog Talk Radio. And, of course, these episodes are always shared over to the Vibrary's YouTube channel, and that is V-I-B-E-R-A-R-Y. And the E is all about energy. I'm here to elevate, enlighten, and empower. And I want to tell you tonight, my guest is a person who directly contributed to an enlightenment moment for me and that I definitely felt empowered after I left our session together. So I always tell you that when I am out in the world, I believe in being a metaphysical tourist, okay? I go places, I'm looking for the crystal shops, I'm looking for the woo-woo stuff, I'm looking for the readers, the healers, um, the alternative, the sound baths. I want to see what is going on anywhere that I travel to. And earlier this spring, I had an opportunity to travel for my first time to Sedona, Now, I had big, big plans and ideas about what Sedona was going to be like, and it did not disappoint. I was only there for about two days, and I had known as I was driving there, I knew I was going to have a reading. I just allowed spirit to kind of show me and bring that opportunity for a spiritual conversation to my awareness. So it was our last afternoon, and my friend Lala and I were picking up a few last-minute things at a gallery, 
And we drove out of the parking lot, and then both of us realized that there was this little store that had caught our eye individually that we had been meaning to tell each other we should go to. And we both remembered at the same time. And so she pulled around the block. We pulled in. The name of the store was Soul Stone Vibrations. Now, anything that says vibration is always going to catch my eye, but it was, like, definitely attractive storefront. So we kind of rolled in to see what was going on, and I saw a sign that said readings today. So I inquired at the counter, and to my great fortune, the reader was available, and I was introduced to my guest this evening, Roger. Roger Larson, welcome to the Psychic Inside Show. I'm so happy to be able to have this conversation with you. Hey, Joelle. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, really looking forward to the next uh, two hours. <laughs> I know. It's a great time. And let me tell you, the timing of when I got to get you on the calendar, A, it was Father's Day weekend. I have to say the ratio of female to male guests that I have on this show is probably three to one. So it's great timing to have a man on the show. But even more so, when I sat with you and had this session, what came up for me was actually related to father healing. And you uh, were, I think, what you provided, I don't know what the whole thing was called, but I think it was part of your accelerated consciousness healing that you do. And you helped me like really work through something that came up through both the reading and your own guidance and then through these skills. It all had to do with like the father energy. So perfect timing, Roger. And I mean, starting from the now moment, like you are like in the life in Sedona, a cool place where everything is known to be kind of hippie and alternative, and you're doing hippie yep. alternative things like living the dream. How is that? <laughs> um, it's literally a dream come true. I mean, honestly, when I started, when I got into meditation, I had no idea where it was going to take me, and uh, I got into doing readings, and I figured, okay, um, this is what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. And uh, around came 2004, a friend of mine said, hey, teach me what you do. And I'm just like kind of dumbfounded because I have I had no idea how to teach what I did. Mm. And uh, so I kind of stumbled my way through it, developed some techniques that had worked with my students in, in, in their class and mm. um, began teaching uh, her how to basically expand your consciousness by healing the past and uh, connect to doing readings, working with healing energy, all sorts of things, working with her, her energy centers. And mm -hmm. um, it just kind of avalanche from there. And that was 2004. Mm. So. That's 20 years nearly then where you've already moved into wisdom transfer. So, like, you leading up to that point, you said you were into meditation and you were doing readings, and then you uh -huh. converted to being a teacher in 2004 in terms of uh, Yeah. I started in 95. Um, oh, wow. Had a turning point with my mom's death, but um, 
I had a couple dreams that gave me a heads up that that was going to happen. Mm. And um, so I, I started meeting people. I, I got into acting thinking, okay, here's a career shift. And I started meeting people, did Reiki, did meditations, worked with crystals. I was like, okay, what's this, what's this all about? Because I could feel that there was something there. Mm-hmm. And um, the deeper I got into it, the more I wanted to explore and experience. And it just kind of snowballed. <laughs> so, yeah. And That's early, in, you know, in terms of what I think of as the, the modern crest that we're in. You definitely, in the 90s, were, I'm not in that wave of awareness like I am now. You know, I was probably college and maybe had a couple tarot readings or psychic readings at, at little tourist attractions, but certainly not anything other than college or high school kind of curiosities of reading into certain things. Like, you were already, like, in aware of a psychic gift, at least of premonition, because you said you had dreams, were you always aware of or experiencing extrasensory messages? I had <laughs> I had an interesting childhood. Um, I'd had um, a non-corporeal visitation mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid. And I had, you know, it's, I had a lot of empathy. I could pick up on people's emotions. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, it's like I always had this feeling of knowing what certain adults wanted me to tell them. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, that saved me a lot in situations. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> um, but I always had this sense, this inner sense, like I'd walk into a room and I could feel it's like I don't belong in here. Mm-hmm. And it's like the air became charged, my skin tingled, the hair, mm-hmm. you know, was raised up. And, you know, there were times where I kind of pushed through it because, well, you know, I'm curious mm-hmm. by nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, being a kid, you know, you want to go out and explore and, you know, find new things. But at night, uh, all my senses got turned on like full blast mm. and I could feel things. I could feel entities. I could sense that there was something in my room that wanted to come through, but wasn't able to, for some reason. Mm. Um, I had sleep paralysis. I had mm-hmm. moments where I could feel my body levitating above the bed. And then I'd wake up and it's like something had just slammed me down under the bed. Mm. So that was mm-hmm. fun. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, as a kid, you're talking yeah. about, like, grade school age. Yeah. 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 It was it was, it was a little intense. traumatic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I kind of shifted away from it as I got older, you know, as I got more into, well, when puberty hits, everything changes. And, you know, my high school years, junior high, high school, um, other priorities kind of came in. Right. And then I had those two dreams shortly before my mom died, and I was like, what? (laughs) What's going on here? Mm -hmm. And and that's when everything kind of got switched on. It was like uh, I was 24 when I had those dreams, and then she was gone when when about 20, uh, when I was 25. 
Okay. So that was pretty mm-hmm. intense. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and that kind of woke me up to some stuff. And then I started meeting people that opened the door a little bit further for me. And I'm really grateful for meeting these people that came into my life and showed me what they were doing. And uh, it's it's been a real journey. I mean, so that's like a trial by tr- trial, it sounds yeah. like, um, in terms of <laughs> intensity. And I will say, and, you know, this is just anecdotal to the conversations that I've had, for male empaths, that was really a challenge that uh, I consistently heard encountered in younger years that that not Um. recognizing um, and like using substances to numb or feeling like challenged in terms of masculinity because of having all this emotional feeling self and the the template of expectation. So it's very interesting that, you know, you, you have these, uh, experiences that uh, one would almost think of like the 80s movie where you're experiencing lifting out of your bed and all these kind of things that are played to the scary side uh, of reality versus the happy yeah. side, you know, and then to feel everybody's feelings and what that could do for your responsibility and feeling state in all of those was your family environment um, supportive in an awareness of this? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I was raised in a in a Christian environment mm-hmm. where all your answers were in the Bible, mm-hmm. and I found nothing that would answer the questions I had or mm-hmm. explain the situations I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was very intuitive. Um, I really couldn't hide anything from her. She just knew stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had a very strong bond. And, um, I mean, I had a, I had a, a strong bond with both my parents. But I think the bond with my mom was more, uh, was on friendlier terms. My dad and I used to butt heads a lot. We were too much alike in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And too too different in so many other ways. And my mm-hmm. mom just got me. She understood me. Um, and I told her about the first dream I had before she died, because I was thinking my dad was going to go. And mm-hmm. I told her about the dream, and she looked at me, and she looked down. And the moment I saw her face, I was like, crap, it's not mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. I knew it was going to be her. And then my second dream confirmed it and basically laid out this whole scenario of how it began when I was 11 and how it built up over time to, you know, 25 when she, when she went. And I was fortunate to get that dream because I understood why she left. And she, she went at 66. And that was a blow to me, but mm-hmm. I was I was expecting her to last, you know, a lot longer. Mm-hmm. And um, 
it was uh it was pretty intense but you know i got it i understood you know why so she why she had to go that's one of the so the challenge of a precognitive or primitive or or spiritual type of dream most people know the difference between a run of the mill night dream and something mm-hmm. like that right but how do you even like begin to approach it from like I this is trust I I just know that what I saw was meant to be interpreted as as I'm interpreting it. Well, that's the time I had it. I'm sorry. What? Are you feeling at this point of your experience where you're like, oh, this was a psychic dream, or you were just like, I just know that I dreamed this, and I know what it's about? Um, at the time, I... When I had the two dreams, I mean, the first one was more of like a, a metaphorical dream, and I kind of got that feeling, but at the same time, it was like, this is hitting a little too close to home. Mm-hmm. And when I have dreams that are symbolic, they mean something to me on a personal level in terms of something that I'm going through or something that I have gone through that I'm still kind of dealing with. Mm-hmm. So I, there's an area of familiarity. When I look at those mm-hmm. dreams, it's like, okay, what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And um, usually, when I have dreams that are really symbolic, it gives me ammunition to work with. You know, it, it gives me something to meditate through and release something that's kind of in my way. Mm-hmm. But when I get these dreams about the future, it's like. Yeah, I'm just a bystander here. I'm just observing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so there's a, there's a really yeah, it's uh it's a different vibe. It's subtle, but it's different. Mhm. I mean, and that's I guess one of the things that I've been able to experience thankfully is that I've had a group of friends that all kind of went through an awakening at the same pace or in the same time, although differently. So having like dreams and being able to say them to somebody without thinking about interpreting, but to get like an oral record or a journal record. And then when the precognitive moment happens, being able to refer back at a tangible, we're like, oh my God. I did. I'm not imagining anything. I literally dreamed this before it happened. You know, that was like an exercise that I had small things to dream about, like my car breaking down, not like the loss of a parent. That's like a real intense uh, thing. Mm. And I do think a lot of people have premonitions when there's about to be a trauma or a situation that more people get a spiritual heads up than may be aware of. Yeah. Um, and I had a, I had about four dreams before my dad left. Mm. And, uh, and I was in China, you know, I was like the other side of the world. I had mm. no intention of coming back to LA. I was done, mm. you know, and I had four dreams and found myself on a plane back to LA going, why am I coming back? Oh wow! So, mm. Yeah, that was 
that was intense. And each dream showed me a segment of what was going to be happening in my life with my dad. Mm. And they all happened, but um, they didn't happen when I was expecting them to. Right. Uh, I came back in 2005 thinking, okay, my dad's going to go, I'm going to bury him, and I'm going to head back to China. Mm. No problem. Had a two-way right. trick and a ticket, too. But then it's like I got there 2005, and then it wasn't until 2009 when the first dream began to reveal itself. And I was mm. like, well, that took a while. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so it was, a, it was a process. But like by then you're also parallelly you're you're already then doing readings and have integrated to the point where you were then bringing your curriculum together in this same kind of period of time you're talking about. So it's not like yes you weren't like green in terms of did you consider yourself to be psychic or to use psychic abilities when you were doing your tarot and your readings and your early practice things? Um, when I, um, I always, I've always related to my abilities as intuitive. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I tell people, you know, I'm an empath, I'm an intuitive. I do get clairvoyant images. I get visions. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really know how to term it. I mean, psychic, you know, I, I like your introduction to the show. Everyone's psychic. Mm-hmm. And we get this word from the Greeks, the psyche, and it yeah. refers to the soul or the spirit, um, sometimes the mind. And mm-hmm. this is why psychology, you know, it's like they, they want to study. Well, they take it as the mind, but when you talk about a psychic ability, you're talking about a spiritual or soul ability mm-hmm. of an individual. Mm-hmm. And we're all spiritual beings having a physical experience. So it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. you know. There you go. Absolutely. Um, but the for myself, has, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, the word has different connotations for people, though. So that's why I always do ask my guests because, uh, you know, uh, intuitive tends to get a lot of votes. Psychic gets some upvotes and some downvotes. You know, uh, the witches have their own upvotes, their downvotes. You know, like language. Yeah. And cultural interpretation of certain words, um, you know, in other places like China, as you see, in uh, places across Asia, divination is no big deal, right? It's in yeah. astrology and divination methods are all incorporated as structures of the cultural society. But in the United States, again, if it's not Christian, then supposedly it was not supposed to be uh, part of our culture, you know. Well, so, it's interesting because back in the 1900s, well, the, I'd, I'd say the 1800s, actually, there was a movement called Spiritism. Yes. And mm-hmm. people were studying mediumship. They were getting mm-hmm. into tarot cards, uh, which gave birth to playing cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and people wanted to, they, they wanted answers to questions that religion just could not provide because it was too mm-hmm. fixed, too rigid, too structured, too dogmatic. Mm-hmm. And people 
they wanted to swim in the ocean. They were tired of swimming in the pool. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, all of that got dampened down because, well, actually the reason was people were becoming too independent. Right. And they were right. becoming uh, too strong in their own being, their own presence of self. Mm -hmm. And that had to be quashed. So religion and science had to intervene. And it, it was actually more science and psychology that push people down like no that's just a figment of your imagination uh let me rationalize it out for you and i'll explain it to you so it became the new religion right so we're getting back to it now we had an we had an outbreak of it in the 50s with um oh gosh what's his name alan watts who yeah. brought over eastern mysticism yeah. Yeah, and the right. 50s, the 60s, and the 70s Ram was Dass. like this slow increase. Right. Yeah, Ram Dass, but I mean, Alan Watts was really the one that got it kickstarted, you know. Right. And uh, it, it became more mainstream. ESP became studied uh, in the 50s. Mm -hmm. So you know, so we have all these pioneers to thank for bringing that energy back into the system and. Now we're now we're in full swing of you know really developing uh, a strong foundation of understanding uh, what spirituality is and um, consciousness expansion. Absolutely, it's it's a great convergence because I, I was chuckling as you were talking about the uh, earlier movements of of um, spiritism because. Neville Goddard and Florence Shovel Shin and some of the great uh, thinkers who were in the early eras of radio-based broadcasting that were doing the breakdowns of like the individual connectedness to godness uh, theory that you were talking about, but they're hitting so appropriately in the now moment and the listenership to the hundreds of thousands on the channels that I see that are specifically dedicated to rereading some of these great teachings that are dusted off from like the late 1800s, very early 1900s, you know? Uh, so mm -hmm. I think uh, excited, like you said, to see it's almost like waves of it emerging and we're in the middle of a new crest uh, now where Watts is just as, as, relevant now as Eckhart Tolle who will be for the next mm -hmm. wave that we see in 20 years you know so your whole experience of I consider you like to be an elder to me in terms of your awakening experience because of where your timing was to be uh, fully reading and in, involved and engaged in consciousness profession and work in the mid-90s is definitely a trailblazer in terms of my perspective. And your experience that pulled you to, like, Sedona, like, when did you realize that you were trajectorying to be there? Um, <laughs> that was uh, that was an interesting experience. We uh, I, I wanted to show Vivian, um, New Mexico, in 2015, we were kind of bouncing around. 
and uh, trying to figure out, okay, what are we supposed to be doing? Where are we going to land? Um, and we end up taking little trips here and there and flipping back and forth between L.A. and, and London or Norwich in England. And we were cruising through, uh, I think it was Kingman, Arizona. And all of a sudden, I just, I, I just got a hit on Sedona. I was like, okay. So I asked Vivian, I was like, how do you feel about going through Sedona? You know? And she's mm-hmm. like, yeah, sure, let's go. And um, mm-hmm. so the game plan was to spend four nights in Sedona and then go to New Mexico because I really wanted to show her New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And um, four nights turned into two weeks. Mm-hmm. And our last night in Sedona, I got a call from the activity center of the the place where we were staying, the resort where we were staying. Mm-hmm. And they said, somebody just flaked out on us. Mm. And this is a person who's going to do readings. And she had three classes lined up to do. And I said, <laughs> yeah, sure. I'll take it. <laughs> and uh, the manager, oh. one of the managers of, yeah, it's, it's, that's how it worked out. And uh, also we had a place to live and everything just kind of rolled out. And uh, that's actually where Vivian first started working on the Tree of Life. Um, uh, I don't know what you call them. I guess they're they're little. Um, they're not lapels, but they're. Uh, I, I keep thinking of diagrams, but uh, the Tree of Life um, is where she started making those, or at the at the summit. Mm-hmm. And uh, so a lot of things changed for us um, mm-hmm. in 2015, and uh, and we ended up getting married in Sedona. Oh wow, beautiful! And, <laughs> yeah, that same year. So 2015 was huge for us. Massive did, shift. Did you cover then subsequent to your move there, past life? frequencies and connections and or uh, a greater purpose to your anchoring there in the now moment? Well, I always saw Sedona as kind of like a spiritual mecca. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, a lot of people have been drawn to Sedona. Um, but for me, it was kind of like entering in the space the first time for the first time. So I didn't really mm-hmm. have a past life experience with okay. it. Uh, mm-hmm. The way I've had, say, with China. Mm-hmm. Uh, China had a really strong past life experience for me. Okay. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Sedona was, uh, was, a new, was a new place for me energetically, cool. but I really connected with it, and so did Viv. Mm-hmm. You know, she just... We were just like, wow, this is amazing, you know. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, uh, I will say the vibe in the space was great. I didn't get a chance to retail much by that time, but I think my friend got something. But, but it was just good vibes all over Sedona, and especially to patronize. Like, there's so many small business owners. Like, anyone can bring their gift into business. Sedona, so it is kind of a mecca for that in a way, 
And I think that's yeah. cool. Everybody we met was somebody who was like in their dream. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And there's something for everyone at each level. Yeah. You know, from entry level to advanced. So there's you know, it's like university. There's there's you've got your beginner courses, you've got your intermediate, you've got your advanced. And uh so that's that's what's nice about Sedona. Well, and as you sank into, like, community versus visitor, how has that been? And, you know, because you got this overlay of all the people who come in and out, come in and out, washing, 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 and then repeating yeah. circuits of people who come seasonally and repeatedly. And you have, like, the core community who's invested as business owners, Many transplanted from other places, right? Have been yep. called. Like, what has it been like becoming part of the community there? Um. For, well, from for myself, it's just felt like I've just been solely absorbed by Sedona, mm-hmm. and it doesn't want to let go. Because I've <laughs> I've had many many moments where it's like, why am I still here? I'm not working. I'm not doing anything. I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere here. And that went on for a few years. And 2021, everything shifted when we got the store. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, okay, that's <laughs> why we're here, you know. Because my work has always been my compass needle, always mm-hmm. pointing me to where I'm going to go, where I'm going to be. And that's you know, I guess you could say it's because I'm a Capricorn, but <laughs> you know, my work has always been my top priority, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in a sense, it's consumed me because that's basically my life, my reality, mm-hmm. is doing this work and seeing where it's going to take me next. You know, I don't consider myself anything more than a student of energy, mm-hmm. so I'm constantly learning. It's like, okay, what next? What's what do I got to do now? Right, and it's like and that's cool, right? Every, at every what's step, that? You get to, at every step, you get to say, "Wow, that was pretty cool." <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, and it's true what they say is like, even as a teacher, you're still learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it never stops, and it's a humbling experience, and it's an experience that I'm always grateful for. You know, every chance I get to to help someone work through something, you know, for me, that's Christmas, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I just have a blast. And that's what you're doing. Like all, you said, you're just now working all the time. Working is doing that. So it's like Christmas yeah. for work, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the best job I've ever had. <laughs> um, six days a week. And, um, it's just, it's phenomenal. You know, we've, Viv and I have made this shop our own. Mm-hmm. And we've put so much energy into it. And I'm always listening to the shop. It's like, okay, what do you want now? You know, what mm-hmm. is it that you're, how does this feel? You know, when we do this and, you know, when I'm choosing crystals, I choose the crystals that align with the shop. You know, they're mm-hmm. basically saying, "Yeah, pick me. I want to go. Yeah. I want to be in your shop so I can <laughs> so I can go to the right person." So right. our shop is really unique that way. We don't like bulk mm-hmm. buy. 
And we're very selective about what we bring in to the energy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we always make sure that it aligns with the shop. And uh, because everything is energy. Right. And you bring in something from the outside that's going to affect the balance of that energy, whether it's a shop, uh, a vehicle, um, anything. And uh, there's an intuitive sense to feng shui where you can feel mm-hmm. the vibe of, if I put this desk here, what what's the vibe going to be? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the more sensitive and aware that we become, the more we're going to realize, like, you know what? That chair doesn't fit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Even though I like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't fit, and it's going right. to go. So. Right. That's part of that empathy, right? Like finding the balance in how we use that empathic skill that's been there all along. How do we exactly. integrate it and use it in a healthy and beneficial way for ourselves and, and others? <laughs> right. Well, the beauty of this is kind of like a cheat. Is as an empath, as an intuitive, all I have to do is listen. Mm-hmm. That's all I have to do. I don't have to process anything. I don't have to figure it out, rationalize it. I just have to listen, and with my inner eye, I just see it. You know, visually, it's like, huh. Yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> you know, so it's like I've got a co- a constant three-dimensional, multi-dimensional uh, compass, mm-hmm. uh, like a holo- integrative holographic compass yeah. to guide yeah. me through so many aspects of life where other people are struggling. It's like they're worried about, oh, what do I do if this happens? What do I do if that happens? Like. Just stay centered in the in the in the present of the now and mm-hmm. listen with all your senses. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that simple. Well, you're talking about the holographic, right? And that's really what I feel that the psychic label is actually talking about when we're using our holographic faculties. Which our biology is wired with these holographic faculties. When we know that snakes sense things with their tongue and other animals uh, feel vibrations, we say, oh, that's just them, (laughs) right? But we are biologically able to, as you said, read the room feel our way through if we don't get stuck into a mindset that has us believing that we can't or that it's wrong to do that. Well, you use the key word right there is belief. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at the word belief, the middle word is lie. Mm -hmm. And a belief is something that a lot of people, they feel they're required or they feel a need to have it simply because they don't have anything else. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me, I prefer an understanding to belief. Mm-hmm. Where a belief is fixed, and right. understanding just keeps expanding. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. let's say I have a belief about something, and all of a sudden that belief gets challenged and then shattered. I now have to change out that belief like a blown tire. Mm-hmm. And now I've got to put a new belief in place That's until that I'm... wears out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But an understanding is like, it's like a hovercraft, mm-hmm. you know, right. it just floats above the surface, it doesn't stay fixed, 
Mm-hmm. And um, I keep learning. I keep growing. Mm-hmm. I'm not stuck. And that, mm-hmm. for me, makes understanding so much more important. Mm-hmm. I, I love that I'm just seeing that evolution and that hovering on an infinite kind of uh, fractal that continues yeah. to the fun part to me is the expansion of, wow, I didn't even know it was going to be this great, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. Now, part of what you're doing, so the energy or the hologram, like your ability to feel through energies, and now you're practicing energy modalities and teaching energy modalities. Like, how did you begin to step um, into services in the energetic realm. Wow. <laughs> I know, it's like um, a long time ago. We're going back for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I started working on myself. Um, mm-hmm. I had the I Ching, which was mm-hmm. written by, it, well, it, he didn't write it, but he, he came up with a version. It's Brian Brown Walker's teaching and uh, this is when I was still teaching English in China and I was like okay let me use this as a study guide so I used to do the three coin reading get the trigrams and then I would kind of go through um, each chapter you know whatever the reading was for and I'd start intuitively intuitively writing everything that applied to me it's like okay that's a hit write that down and then once I'd written everything down, I'd meditate on it and just kind of review it mentally and just look at what I'd written. And I got to this one part where it said embody patience. I'm like, how the heck do you embody something, you know, on a mental plane? How do you bring that into your physical being? Mm-hmm. And so I started staring at the word in my mind. I just started focusing on it. And then it dissolved. And then I could feel it in every cell of my body. Mm. And it was like this, glo- this like inner warm glow I could feel. Mm. And I'm like, oh, wow! <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> and it, it literally embodies. And I was like, okay. And then the next question popped up in my head. It was like, okay, how would I teach this to someone who had never meditated before? And that night I developed my first meditation technique Mm -hmm. to take people through stuff. And Mm -hmm. that was just to, to work through one thing could take up to two hours. Mm -hmm. And I've since streamlined it down to like 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. but it's been a process of, Mm -hmm. you know, trial and error. And it's like, okay, how does this work? And, and listening is the key. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's important to ask the right question. Right. Because if you're getting the wrong answer, you're not asking the right question. Mm-hmm. And what I learned to do was sit and just listen to the question until it dissolved in my mind. And then I became the answer. Mm. So it's actually the absence of the question which allows the answer to come into conscious awareness. Mm. And I can see it. And that's, yeah. I was seeing this image of like a fade out and then fade in 
uh, I don't know, just like an effect that I could see, almost like a PowerPoint presentation where it fades out yeah. and then fades back and different scene changed. After it's and it's interesting because, oh, sorry. No, that's, I'm just, that's, I'm really processing that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's okay. Well, here's the other thing that kind of, that'll blow your mind is that the meditation, when you breathe through, let's say, a question and it dissolves or you're breathing through a statement until it dissolves to filter through all the layers of emotional attachment that are in the way, that meditation will actually mirror the diagram that physicists have created for what they interpret as the beginning of the universe the expansion mm. of the universe, and then the end of the universe. So mm. it's kind of like um, this bubble. It's like you have these two ends, mm-hmm. and then in the middle you have this huge bubble, that, and it just kind of like moves, you know, moves into these little tight spaces. And when I'm breathing through, and this is something that other people that I've helped work through, they've experienced the same thing. It's like when you start the meditation, it's like, kind of gentle, it's like it's, you know, you're not sure what's happening. And all of a sudden, as it expands, the energy starts to build and it gets more intense as you're going to the deeper layers of your consciousness. And then all of a sudden, it kind of like funnels down and relaxes. Mm -hmm. And then you're out. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just like the model that they created for the creation of the universe, the expansion, and then the, the ultimate destruction. Or the end. Right. Because it it's like in the creation, it's to ask the question, who or what am I? Mm. And then dissolves, and then creation emerges, and that's us. <laughs> like all of the usness yeah. that creation is on the exhale came into being to answer the question of what is the potentiality of the I am that I am. <laughs> okay. Mm. <laughs> very, very, sorry, very activating uh, as you are a teacher. So I thank you for that. Um, that energy, the accelerated consciousness uh, that you, is that what you call your modality or um I don't know how to well, describe the work that you do. I have a hard time describing the work that I do. <laughs> um, so much of what I do is so abstract until you get to the end of it, then you're like, oh, now I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even when I'm describing my work to people, they just kind of give me a blank look until I finish. And then I take them to the process, and they look at me and says, okay, now I get what you were talking about. Right. Well, I'm glad and, I'm not alone and not being able to really describe my session with you. But So people can see you in, your, in Sedona, but you also work with people via video and phone? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because we're not talking about something that physically has to be because you're you're doing energy work. Yeah, with energy has no limits. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's infinite and it's nonlinear. So it doesn't have 
it's not tied to the third dimension the way we are in the physical. Mm-hmm. You know, thought is energy. Emotion is energy. And, you know, how can you determine the distance of, that a thought can travel? We don't even have the scientific technology, at least not mainstream-wise, right. to that. <laughs> right. Right. You know, they're still trying to measure light and sound and all this other stuff. And it's like, try measuring thought. Right. <laughs> you right. know. Speed of consciousness, right? Yeah. And you're, look, you're talking about the universe mm-hmm. when you're talking about thought or feeling. Mm-hmm. Because you can take one thought and spend hours examining it, experiencing it and still just barely have tapped the surface of it. Right. And it's still because going to be... time... What's that? Well, I was thinking that it's still going to be just the thought around the thing, which can be considered infinitely, because the thought aspect of self loves to do that. But the knowingness happens when the thought Stops. I think that's in that breath space that you're talking about when it transitions to the knowing. And then there's no more thought needed. Well, there's knowing, and then beyond that, there's understanding. Mm. <laughs> because you can have a thought of something, but then there's layers of perception mm-hmm. that we have and assumption and belief and mm-hmm. opinion you know, all these mental aspects that we hold on to to find value in our own selves, our own lives. But then Mm -hmm. we tap into the intuitive sense of knowing the truth that's behind the perception of of the mental aspect of the mind that thinks it knows the truth, but doesn't really until it knows the truth Mm -hmm. at the intuitive level. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of bounce that truth around until we start to get more pieces of insight Mm -hmm. that gives us the bigger picture on a universal scale. And then we get to the understanding. And once we have the understanding, then that integrates into every fiber of our being. And then Mm -hmm. we've moved beyond words. Now it's like, Oh, I got that joke. Mm -hmm. And as long as try explaining a joke, why it's so funny to someone. You know, right, and that's the difference between knowing and understanding. Right. Well, and then making sure that your understandings don't turn into inflexible beliefs, that they continue to then hover as you expand your understanding. I get it. Okay. Well, that's the that's <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the beauty of an understanding is because once you have that understanding, it's no longer on your mind as a puzzle. It becomes part of your being, and then you're just experiencing that understanding and everything you do, everything you say. And that's where the phrase, it's easier said than done, becomes Mm -hmm. it's easier done than said. Oh, that's true. So that's (laughs) the difference between knowing and understanding. Mm -hmm. Take any ball player that hits home runs all year long. And someone says, how do you do that? And the player just goes, I don't know. I just hit the ball. Right, <laughs> right, right. Because the understanding is integrated already. Right, right. 
That's a great analogy that makes total sense. I could see why you're an effective teacher, Roger. You know, this is uh, an expansive conversation. And in my reading with you, or you know, in a session with you, you know, there was tarot, but then you were like bringing in guidance and then we went through some energy patterns and you uncovered some of those belief systems. And I mean, it was like maybe 30, 45 minutes at the most. I think it might have only been 30 minutes, but it was jam packed uh, in terms of the arc of experience that I had with you. And we definitely did do a, a meditation uh, exercise yep. that, again, time suspended during that. But so, you know, a person who books a session with you is going to, you don't have to ask for anything specific when you schedule time with you. That's just part and parcel of what you offer, or do you have different things that people can request specifically? Okay, so, wow, there's a lot to that question. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. Um, okay, I offer readings, and all my readings include a clearing session, what I call it, what I refer to as a clearing session, which is actually the timeline foundation work that I introduced you to. Okay. And um, that is, um, I guess you could look at it as a formula, um, which I provide in the path work, intuitive path work, which takes up to an hour. And it's working through whatever is on the plate, whatever a person's going through in life. Could be relationships, could be a job, could be mm-hmm. whatever, any number of things. But in the reading, it's always specific to what's come up in the reading. And I'll look at the person and say, okay, do you want to hold on? To, do you want to clear that? And mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, they'll be like, yes, but how? <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's like, okay, well, it's solvable, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I take them through the process. I take them through the steps. And then they just look at me like, what just happened and I'm like okay well um, because the mind is nonlinear present future all happen the same time what happened 20 years ago if it's unresolved guess what it's still happening Mm -hmm. and because it's still happening in the nonlinear mind it's affecting your linear existence Mm -hmm. so how do you tap into it well you tap into the mind and you start asking questions from the conscious to the subconscious. So you've got the conscious mind with that, which acts like um, a search engine. You type in your question, you hit search, mm-hmm. and you drop the light of the conscious mind into the, into the darkness of the subconscious, which is the record keeper. Right. And your specific questions will get specific answers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just like throwing a line into the water and you catch a fish. You use the right bait you're going to catch the right fish. Right, right. And, and because all your answers, all our answers are within us. Right. And this is why we get frustrated. We get angry at ourselves because we should know better. Well, why should we know better? Because we do. It's just we don't, we're not aware of what we know. 
And so we ask, and that's a sign of humility. Okay, let me ask the question. Mm-hmm. So I come in mm-hmm. with empty hands waiting for the subconscious to fill it with the appropriate answer. Yes, yes. And that's the, the beauty hand, of it. The empty hand, yeah. right? Because thinking or rationalizing or belief, my hands are full. Mm-hmm. So how do we get the conscious mind out of the way? Well, we fill it with a question. Okay. And that, and that creates space for the answer to hit us from the subconscious, to illuminate it. Right. Yeah. And well, that's enlightenment. All the other, yeah, I, okay. <laughs> it was quick, too, like the whole process. Again, we were moving at a good pace in general, but it didn't feel rushed. But you literally, like, walk through an exercise of, huh, okay, huh. Okay, think about that. Okay, and then it's like, well, now we're going to do so-and-so, and then boom, it was done. I'm like, wow. <laughs> okay, it made yep. sense to that rational mind every step of the way while my spiritual self was having the experience. I definitely, definitely yeah. experienced that. Well, there's two very important aspects to this work. It's connection and perspective, Mm. both of which we can't function without. If we don't have perspective, we're going to make some serious mistakes. If we don't have connection, we're not going to be aware that we're making those serious mistakes. Right, right. And these are the two things that our society lacks big time. Mm -hmm. Definitely but skewed. by connecting, what, I'm sorry? Definitely skewed perceptions and errant connections. Yeah, and these, these are all coming from the mental aspect of the mind, which mm-hmm. assumes it knows the answer, believes it knows the answer, and thinks it knows the answer, and then mm-hmm. rationalizes when it's told, no, that's wrong. <laughs> Yeah. The mind, the mental aspect of the mind is made up of three institutions in our society. We have religion, we have science, and we have philosophy. Mm. These are all mental aspects that do not approach intuition. Right. The scientific mind has to have empirical data to right. prove or disprove. The, the 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 rational aspect of the belief of the, of the religious mind cannot accept anything that doesn't fit within the parameters of belief. Mm-hmm. And philosophy, it just keeps asking these questions that keep us going around in circles. <laughs> you know, they're they're more like um, what are those questions you, you're not supposed to answer? Um, forget the name of it. But, um, you know, it's, it's a question that you, you, you pose to people that's supposed oh, to keep them. Question. Rhetorical Rhetorical. Question. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Rhetorical question. And get them thinking, it's like them thinking. Yeah. Yeah. it gets people thinking, but then how do we resolve it? Right. And right. for philosophy, the questions of the universe are out there. 
No, they're not. They're we're yeah. out there. We're mm-hmm. we're part of as Carl Sagan said, we're star stuff. Mm-hmm. 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 As the Hindus say, we are a drop of water in the ocean. Yeah. You know. It's the same. It's just we have a perception that we're different. You know, people always say, well, we're divine beings. Well, that means that we don't need a divine being to get our answers from. We don't need to outsource our spirituality. Mm. But for a lot of people, that takes them then one step too far into an understanding and those belief systems kick in, the higher font kicks in and says, uh-uh, uh-uh, <laughs> you're too close to yeah. a sacred, sacred cow, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, some people need those training wheels. And then they reach a point where it's like, okay, I don't need these training wheels. I can ride the bike myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the difference between a spiritual child and a spiritual adult. Right. We don't need a hand to hold. Yeah, independence. Yeah. We, we trust ourselves, you know, and that's, and that's basically the heart center which is the intuitive self, it's the access to truth. It's, it's basically the seed of truth because we know in our heart whether something is going to be a good idea or a bad idea. Mm-hmm. But then the mental steps in and says, no, let me rationalize this out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've got a better idea. And the heart's going, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> and then people go through that process and they go, shoot. I knew that was going to happen. Right. Right. But the mental aspect got in the way. And um, so that's a lesson we have to keep learning until we go, okay, I've graduated. Now I'm working on the intuitive Mm -hmm. level, and I'm going to trust that I know the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's why people get heartbroken, you know, in relationships. Um, Why their heart feels so heavy? Because the truth is weighing on them. Mm-hmm. And they went against it. Mm-hmm. And then when they were confronted by the truth in such a way that they could not refute it, they could not deny it anymore, it hurt them. Right. They right. get heartbroken. Why mm-hmm. is it heartbroken? Because the truth was not listened to. Mm-hmm. And we are truth. We are hardwired for truth spiritually. We, because we're the same as, as, as the cosmic consciousness of which we are a part. Yes. And that is truth. Yes. And there's no way around it. it. We keep coming back to the same truth over and over again. We are part of everything, everyone. You know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, when that's... we go against our true self, mm-hmm. we hurt ourselves. And when we hurt ourselves, we have nothing but pain to give to others because we can't give what we don't have. Right. And we can't have what we won't allow ourselves to embrace or to accept. That belief system that we can is part of the misalignment. It's fortunately getting rightly aligned in ever increasing numbers. You know, like the cup being filled 
within and then overflowing to others versus any type of inverted ideas, bypassing. You said you did your energy healing work for with yourself. Like you had to do it to pass the medicine to others through yep. that's the only way. That's why teachers can teach is because they've learned and so on and so forth, you know. Yeah, I was my own guinea pig. Um <laughs> and anything that didn't work on me, I didn't I threw out, I disregarded. You know, I I took more of like a scientific approach to it. Measurable, observable, repeatable. Mm-hmm. MOR and you get scientific facts. Well, the same thing happens with spiritual facts. Sure does. <laughs> the measurement <laughs> of our repeatable, yes. Yeah. The the best thing I got out of a psychology class, in fact, is that's the only thing I remember from that class. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a perfect science can scientific rationale can be applied to everything and you know, that's why having like the dream journal or your psychic journal or your notes of uh spidey sense hits and things like that over time, you will then see the and observable phenomenon of your own uh, abilities and awarenesses that will help you trust yourself more and more. Yeah, and the more you use it, the more accustomed you you become to it, and the more experiences you have that verify uh, the results, Mm -hmm. um, the more you're Mm going to trust it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a matter of, you know, it's like, the more you practice with it, the more natural it becomes. And then all of a sudden it's integrated into every fiber of your being and you're just living it. You're being it. Mm -hmm. And you're Mm -hmm. not thinking about it. You're just doing it. And it's like, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's the fun So yeah, life can be fun. Yeah, exactly. It's always being a toddler learning how to take new steps and then also being the seasoned hiker who also can navigate extremities in the same reality space, you know? Yeah. Always acquiring new skills and getting new ways of things like, oh, wow, I didn't realize I was going to be doing this. Let me get my feet under me, but let me be a joyful toddler in it while I'm learning yep. to get my sea legs, you know, or my little coat legs be wobbly, you know, and then to, again, practice the the wisdom of the experience and the knowingness and understanding that has arisen, but not being an old, you know, heavy, responsible, and 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 lower vibrational version of that experienced self. Maintaining that yeah. I'm good at this, I understand myself. I'm having a great time experiencing the world as myself. You know, to me that's yes. Part you get to own stores and pick crystals and meet people and help them along their journey with the person who you're in love with. And to me, that's like what better kind of uh, life could a person have as evidence of their embodiment of what walking in your gifts really can feel and look like. And the key to that is to heal the lies of the past, all the hurt, the pain, everything that is not in alignment with truth. And 
the way to align with your path of truth is to heal the lies of mm-hmm. everything that you've, you've experienced, we've experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, because no one's really had an easy childhood. You can take anyone from any experience. You know, you can talk to a kid. It's like, oh, you know, no, I had a great childhood. And you can still find stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, you could have been the best parents, but there's always something missing in there. And, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason, they've become unhappy adults. And it's like, well, if you had a great childhood, why are you an un- unhappy adult? Mm-hmm. Why aren't you living your dream? Why aren't you fulfilling your potential? And they don't know. You know, something got lost in the mix. And it's not anyone's fault. It's just how things worked out. Mm-hmm. And you teach people how to ask the questions and to yep. be in the space for process, receiving and processing the answers. To listen. Ask, mm-hmm. listen, and breathe. Well, and that by itself is just powerful. It is. I'm just sitting here processing. I'm going to definitely appreciate the replay when I have to process this because you you drop some like complex things, but they're really not that complex, right? So just sitting with the download for one. And yep. I'm excited to share that tomorrow, um, Solstice Energy Day, we are going to be on YouTube Live together. For those of you who have been listening that uh, like to have readings, tomorrow Roger and I are going to be on the Vibrary YouTube channel at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And we're going to talk tarot and some divination and see just whatever comes up. If you're in the chat room, of course, we'll have a conversation with you uh, as part of that as well. And uh, I'm really excited because I sat with you as a client and then to now get to sit with you then to see what we can bring together in terms of a spiritual conversation. I'm really looking forward to that. So um, again, tomorrow at 9 p.m. For people who are interested, well, A, do you have any classes or workshops in the coming weeks that um, people who are either virtual or in Sedona can attend? I I don't have any scheduled classes. Uh, All my classes are based on um, uh, you know, uh, demand. So yes. if someone comes in, it's like, hey, can you teach me how to work with crystals? Can you show me how to do intuitive tarot? Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I okay. have them up on the menu of the shop, uh, okay. different classes, and then then there's the the really intense uh, course. It's like a two week course mm-hmm. of. Uh, I call it the journey of the soul mm-hmm. and it's basically going through different aspects and it's just an immersion uh, training where I'm basically teaching the person to meditate and to connect to concepts until they become realities within the mind. It's mm-hmm. like dropping a tablet in the water 
and then it dissolves and becomes one with the water. So the water represents your mind. The tablet represents a concept, and it dissolves into the space of meditation. Mm. So interesting. I keep seeing this little clip from a, a documentary. I think it's on Gaia TV or something, and it's China's Psychic Kids, I think. And you see a little boy running his hands across the page and scooping up the words. I I don't know that that's what he's doing, but it looks like he's scooping it up and then he pours it over his head and then he turns the page, scoops the page energy up, pours it over his head. He just was going page by page without pausing, right? And that's the image that I'm seeing as you're talking about, like, absorbing the word, absorbing, you know, the thought. (laughs) It's like we can do so much more than we think that we can. And once you realize, oh, all I have to do is pour it and dissolve dissolve it into myself and I can integrate it. Oh, you should have told me that here. (laughs) There was a show when I was younger, I think it was in the 90s. It was called The Pretender. And mm. this guy had been raised, I guess, in a government lab or something, and they they taught him how to pretend anything. Mm. And, you know, he put on the uniform of a paramedic, and then he would pretend, and all of a sudden he would be tapping into all this knowledge mm. of what that paramedic would need to know to help the person. Mm. Like the Akash records. Kind of. I mean, we're – Who's to say where we're getting it from, what it is? Yeah. I mean, we are multidimensional beings living a monodimensional existence. Right, right. That blows my mind. Right. <laughs> so we have we barely scratched the surface of our potential. And what that boy in China was doing is like he's living in two different dimensions at the same time. Right. And experiencing right. them. And it's like, Wow. <laughs> right. That's amazing. But that's just that's just the beginning. You know, that's oh. just the step out the door. Absolutely. And we're in like a really big doorway. Like if you think about the nineties when you were coming through the door and yep. the door is still open and only getting wider and wider. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I I haven't even gotten to the. I'm I don't feel like I'll ever get to the horizon. It's just going to be like that proverbial carrot on the sticks. Like, yeah, right. you'll get there. Oh, you, you'll get there. Oh, great, yeah, you'll right? get there. <laughs> that's great too. Well, Roger, I'm but everyone really... I work with. Oh, oh, sorry. go ahead. No, go ahead. Everyone. Well, you every with. person I work with opens my mind a little bit more and gives me another problem. It's like Sherlock Holmes. Like I need problems to solve. Mm. And every person I work with provides me that experience that just widens my perspective a little bit more. It's like, wow, I never thought to look at it from that angle. And I get challenged because I'll have all these techniques that have worked before, but then I get to someone and I get stumped. It's like, okay, these aren't working, so I need to adapt. It's like, what do I need to, to fill this space with? Where do, 
what's the question I need to ask them, you know, and I'm racking my brain sometimes like, okay, the question, the question, the question, you know, and, and then it comes through and I'm able to guide that person to the next step. And it's like, wow, you know, so I literally am going to school every time, you know, that I'm working with someone and it's just an amazing process. Even as you're saying that, I imagine that that is what creators, creator awareness, that's what their experience is of us. Like every time it encounters, you know, an archetype that previously was not known or didn't follow the previous pattern, then you said, well, I just, I have to adapt, right? We are the adapting creation that is encountering energies through us, being us. It is encountering infinite differences that it is adapting to. And that is truly what the creation exercise is, that I am another you, as the Mayans say in Lakesh. Like, I am another you. So it's fascinating to sit with you and see myself. I've now learned something about myself through you sharing with me your experience, which is why my perspective was enlarged. You know, it's it's just a beautiful, yeah. expanding exercise. Uh, it's, it's, as you said, like, you get to do this every day, six days a week. You get to go in, yep. hear people's stories, contribute information, learn something yourself, you know. I, oh, I have to. I did not want to forget about your drumming. I was about to rap, and we did not get to your sacred drumming. Part of what you've been talking about in terms of going into what we would perceive as back or other dimensions and pulling out the stories or the beliefs or the things that have shaped us, that's very shamanic. You know, we're talking about soul retrieval, soul fragmentation. Is is your drumming an aspect of that? Or can you share a little bit about uh, that modality? <laughs> it's, yeah, it's very... I hesitate to use the word shamanic because it's been used by so many people. You know, some guy spends two weeks in Peru, all of a sudden he's a shaman, (laughs) you know. It's like, wow, congratulations. (laughs) You've taken 50 years of training and compressed it into 14 days. That's amazing. (laughs) Um, But for me, my journey has been a, a very shamanic experience. You know, it's taken me literally outside of the physical dimension and mm-hmm. stepped me into other places, other realms. And it's like, wow, okay, this is new. Mm-hmm. And the drumming. Yeah. I, I literally have drifted it during drumming sessions with people. Mm-hmm. And so I have to really stay grounded and, and focus on being in my physical body because the drumming, the way I drum, I drum intuitively. I feel what mm-hmm. the beat needs to be. So I'm mm-hmm. listening to the person I'm working with. I listen mm-hmm. to the moment that they're in and everything that they brought with them energetically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, cosmically. And mm-hmm. I'm asking, what does this person need? What do they, what do they need to hear? And mm-hmm. what needs to be spoken uh, or what needs to, to speak up? When I was doing drumming at the resort, 
I would be drumming into people's emotions. You know, they'd come mm-hmm. in and I could feel anger around someone. So I'd drum into that. And I would look at these emotions as separate entities, separate beings that needed to have a voice. And that was the drumming. Mm-hmm. And the drumming provided them an opportunity to dance mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. to get out those those aggressive energies, those frustrations mm-hmm. that I'm not being heard, I'm being ignored, I'm, I'm being mm-hmm. stuffed into a bottle of prescription pills or a mm-hmm. bottle of alcohol mm-hmm. or drugs. Mm-hmm. And I would literally drum into those emotions. And I could see them dancing. I could see these energies dancing um, mm-hmm. the way the Native Americans would dance. Mm-hmm. And they would show me when they were done, they would just dissolve. And then I'd Mm. shift to the next emotion. When I'm doing the sacred ceremony, the ceremonial drumming for people, Mm -hmm. I'm drumming into their energies and I'm focusing on what they look like in my mind, you know, and just letting the beat speak for itself until it's done. And Mm -hmm. then I'll get images, I'll get, um, some Native American energy will come into the drumming and that's, there's two energies that I that I tap into as um, animal spirits because they are bound to the earth energies, which means the earth energy is their priority, nothing else, not okay. Mars, not some other universe. It's mm-hmm. Earth. Earth mm-hmm. is our priority because we are here, right. and the Native American energies. I'll get Native American spirits that come in because they are tied to the land, mm-hmm. the land was everything to them. It was their mother. It was their father. Mm -hmm. It was their brother. And every animal was sacred to them. Every tree, every rock Mm -hmm. was powerful. And it had a voice. It had a spirit. And when I tap into those energies, they guide me. Mm -hmm. They show me where I need to go with the drumming. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's what makes that, that experience so powerful for people because I'm just listening. And following right. along. And that's, for me, it's like, I, again, it's like it's like Christmas, you know. <laughs> and it's just fun. Because I get so much out of it, too. I'm like, wow, this is cool. It's like going to the movies. For every seven-year-old who's experiencing the challenges that you talk about, to be able to know that one day, your empath ability and sensing self is going to be able to drum conversations between spiritual embodiment. That's like a, you know, seven-year-old doesn't have the mind to understand, but it's like, it's going to get better, little guy. It's going to get better. (laughs) We may not have the mind, but we have the spiritual consciousness that comes through. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a, a regression with a hypnotherapist mm-hmm. because I was I was just getting into meditation and, and sorting stuff out, and I kept feeling like, is there something in my past that messed me up somehow? And so mm-hmm. I went to a therapist. I went to a hypnotherapist, and she took me through the process. She's a great lady. This is like years ago. I don't, I don't know if she's still practicing, but um, I ended up in the womb. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening 
to my parents argue, and I could actually see them in my mind's eye. Mm. And the first thing in my consciousness was like, oh, how cute, they're arguing. Mm. And my mom was saying, you know, what do we do? Basically, she had just told my dad she's pregnant. So she had just found out. And she turns to him and was like, what do we do? And my Mm. dad, in his infinite wisdom, shrugged and like, I don't know. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, that's cute. You know, they're arguing. And, oh, they're arguing about me. And then it shifted to another scene, and I could I could feel them. I could feel the tension. I couldn't see them, but I could feel the tension. Mm-hmm. And I knew, like, something's wrong. And I almost aborted. I almost, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I said, it's like, I could hear myself thinking, they're not ready for this. Oh, this wow. is too much. Wow. And at the time, my mom was 46. Oh, oh, no, wow. sorry, 42. She was 42 oh. years old, and it's like, yeah, these guys, and it's almost, it's weird because I kind of saw them as younger than me. Oh, yeah. I kind of saw them as kids, like, oh, these kids, they don't have it together. <laughs> oh, and wow. I, the only thing I can get from that is that as an older soul, you're looking at these souls that have had less experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I literally almost checked out mm-hmm. and then everything, and then everything blacked out and I was out. And then all of a sudden I realized the reason why I was born on my dad's birthday mm-hmm. because I was eight. I was like, I was supposed to come out on the eighth. And for some reason I came out on the 19th mm-hmm. and then I realized like, Oh my God, that was me. I chose that date. Right. And it was to let them know. It's like, hey, we're cool. It's good. It's supposed right. to happen. Right. And of course, my dad growing up, it's like, oh yeah, God brought you to us, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, going, and I, it never resonated. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, no, I when I had that, that. moment, <laughs> yeah. And I didn't realize it until I had the, the hypnotherapy session, like, oh, now I get it. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, that was um, that was an eye opener for me. I mean, I've 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 had a lot of eye openers, but that was a big one because it's like I looked at the power that I had over my own life to choose whether or not to continue the journey, mm-hmm. and that's what told me. Because you know, people say, "Oh, you know, you chose your parents. Everything happened the way it was supposed to." No, it didn't. <laughs> Not everything that goes according to plan. We can't just throw a blanket over this, you know, and just with a new age, you know, sense of uh, righteousness say everything was meant to happen this way. No, it's not. Not mm-hmm. everything goes according to plan. As right. above, so below, you know. Adjustments, yeah. So, yeah, I literally almost checked out from this life. So, yeah, that was heavy. That's an interesting awareness, though. I mean, kudos to the higher self that brings us to, like, regression, Sarah, you know, services where we can experience and activate and trigger the woundedness in a helpful way versus, you know, some, uh, let's just say, if you had an unchaperoned psychedelic trip and tapped into that same kind of, 
I'm a baby in the womb awareness, it'd be a little different. You know, yeah. uh, you might not even recognize that it was literally an actual early life experience. You could have chalked it up to any other number of things. But having the right tools and the right experience, um, we really do try to be gentle with ourselves in doing you know. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I broke up a little bit. Sorry, I'm getting a little tickled in my throat here. I think we really, our higher selves and our aspects of selves really do try to be as gentle as possible in answering the questions that we've asked out there. You know, when we've said, I wonder where this lies, and all of a sudden you get gut kicked. Well, no, they try to mitigate so that it's not as terrible as it could be to go through an early life kind of awareness or trauma. That's not to say it's not intense. <laughs> like you said, that yeah. triggered a whole period of healing for you after that. Well this is why we have this is why we have repeat lives. You know, we, we cycle back. It's like, oh shoot, I didn't fix that. I gotta go back and fix it. Right. You know. We make yeah. mistakes. And that's part of the, the path. That's part of the process. We do make the mistakes. Um, and so things get overlooked. Things get neglected. And then when we get back into our spiritual self, away from the, the – see, the mind is, gets in the way a lot. Um, even though it's there to help us integrate with a physical reality and existence, it accumulates stuff that gets in the way of the spiritual mission, the soul mission. Mm-hmm. And I kind of look at the mind as like a hard drive. Every new body, you get a new hard drive. Mm-hmm. And the soul uses that as an access point to the physical. Um, but in the womb, we begin to accumulate a lot of junk data. Damn. We get pain. We get fear. We get... Mm-hmm you know, apprehension, we get, Mm -hmm. you know, anxiety, and we're absorbing stuff through our mom 24-7. So whatever environment she's going through, whatever situations she's going Mm -hmm. through, we're feeling it. We're feeding off of it, and we're absorbing it into our being as we're physically forming in her womb. And then by the time we're, we're out, nine months later, we're a mess already. Yeah, we're you know. well in the, we're well marinated. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, we are. But you know, and then we go through the process as a child we, we start to adopt things. So we're consciously absorbing stuff from our environments. And then in our adolescent stage we're begin we begin to kind of adapt, you know, oh I like that but I don't like that. I'll take this, but uh, no, you can keep that. So right. we start to think for ourselves, and that's the rift that happens between the parent and the child at the adolescent stage. Mm-hmm. And then by the time we're teenagers, we're in full lockdown. We're not accepting anything. You know, in our minds, we're going, no, this is the way I want to look at it. Mm-hmm. This is how I want, it. I want to see it. And then by the time we're adults, we are a a mess. <laughs> uh, the only way I can really put it. Um, 
we're a collage of everything we've absorbed, adopted, adapted, and created through those four stages of our of our life. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. no wonder so many adults out there, and this isn't even including all the stuff that's being thrown at us energetically, all the frequencies that are being pumped out, right. all the movies, right. the music, and they always target the teens. Programming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they want to mess up the teens as bad as possible before they become adults, before they become self-aware and awakened and enlightened. They don't want that. The people at the top don't right. want this. So the media, the corporations, they want consumers. Right. They want drones. They want worker bees. They want people to to be um, – to, to follow whatever orders or instructions are being given. Wear a mask, mm-hmm. get the vaccine, dumb yourself down, mm-hmm. listen to that music, watch these movies, watch these shows. And they're right. all geared to dumb people down. Eat this food. It's crap, mm-hmm. but you'll love the taste. Right. You know? And, well, you know, it's... It's like the wave you talked about in the 1800s with the spiritualist, spiritualist movements, and they yep. were becoming too individual, individualized instead of yep. conforming. And so, you know, here we are at the like real full coming in of the age of Aquarian, the Aquarius energy of the individual thinker. And the countermeasures mm. are in place to capture these beings that they knew would be already energetically tuned to be individualized thinkers because our generation held the space for them to do and emerge in that way, you know? Yep. But it's like yep. that expansion and contraction, the sine wave of, you know, too much individualization. So now we'll take the individual expression and we'll make it extreme and corrupt it into the selfie belief system, <laughs> you know? So uh, it's all it's so interesting. I tell you, Roger, we could continue talking about the accelerated consciousness to use a play on words with your, the work that you do. But I, want to save more for another time and you clearly are a great teacher and I would love to sit with you and exchange more ideas and learn some things from you because I could see how catalyzing it is just from my actual session and even what we've been talking about this evening and the way that people can best get in contact with you is through the store website. Is that correct? Uh, we have a Facebook, and Viv runs the Instagram. Instagram. Okay. So we have Instagram. We have Facebook. I don't really in- interact with Facebook that much. I'm not on Instagram at all. Mm-hmm. So she handles all that. Um, every once in a while, I'll kind of poke in and see what's happening on Facebook. But, um, yeah, uh, Facebook is definitely the best way to contact us um, uh, through that. In the show notes, wherever you are listening, there should be a link to the Soul Stone Vibrations 
website and uh, the email is realmkeep at yahoo.com. That's R-E-A-L-M-K-E-E-P at yahoo.com. I would, I would recommend using the Soulstone uh, email oh. because I – I'm really bad with my emails. <laughs> it'll, okay. it'll go like three weeks, sometimes a month before I was like, "Oh yeah, I got to I got to check emails." Okay. Um, so yeah, I think it's all done. I'll make sure we update it on the replays for those of you who were Thank listening. You. And I, like I said, Roger, it's just I knew I had a great vibe when we walked in. It was just like, "Oh hey," so you have a read. It was like very connected with your wife when we first walked in and then of course uh, the session just right away went well just like the conversation this evening I just uh, I've enjoyed myself I hope you can hear the smile (laughs) yep I can if you have any last kind of negative Roger wisdom to leave for somebody who might be listening to this in the future. What would you share? Practice listening. Mm-hmm. And listen to the things that you're saying in your mind because they are they are weaving a reality that is going to play out in your physical reality. And, you know, when you listen to your thoughts, you can feel the energy that they're creating. You can tap into the emotions that they're feeding off of, that they're attached to. And just let yourself dissolve through those statements until they become nothing. Because when something is on your mind, it's in your way. And the best way to filter through that is just by breathing through it, dissolving into it, becoming it, until you become the understanding of it. Just letting that sit right there. Roger, thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. And thank you. you. Well, everyone who's listening, I hope that you are sitting with that as well. And please join me next Tuesday for another episode of the Psychic Inside Show. My guest is going to be Jennifer Sacklin. She's the local meditation facilitator and yogi um, that has a studio up here to the north of Atlanta. And I'm very excited to bring her on for a conversation. And please join us tomorrow again for In the Cards with the Vibrarian on the Vibrary YouTube channel. Roger and I are going to bring in some energies about the solstice and see what guidance uh, Spirit has for all of us to accelerate our consciousness in this now moment. So, Roger, thank you so much. Thanks, Joelle. I'll see you all next week. You've been listening to the Psychic Inside Show with Joelle the Vibrarian. If it's in the psychic realm, it's our passion. We hope you've enjoyed the show. 
If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Vibrarian and on YouTube at The Vibrary. The show airs on Tuesdays at 8 Eastern on The Vibrary Radio Network. See you next week on The Psychic Inside Show. 